Good morning. May God bless each one of you with grace and peace. So I want to look at Second um, Peter chapter 2, as we looked at chapter 1 last time. So we'll move on to chapter 2. I love this time of year. I saw somebody has, um, these are, um, what are they called? Uh, irises, yes. Um, we have some in our flower bed that are more like a deep blue, and they have some white in them too. I love this time of year when it's colorful and nice. <coughs> I bet there's some water in there. Why is there water in there? <coughs> Mm-hmm. It needs water, it'd wither, right? That's right. So, uh, what we learned last time in chapter 1, we have grace from God and peace with him because of our belief in him. And also, we have great and precious promises because of our belief. And we're supposed to add to our belief virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. And Peter said that if you have these things, if you have faith in these things, you will never fall. And that doesn't mean that we'll never fall uh, away from God. In fact, that's what chapter 2 is about. Um, so it's possible to fall away from God. But if you have these things, what Peter's saying is that there's no other requirement. Like, that's it. If you have faith and you add these things to your faith, you'll never fall You'll be granted an entrance into, into the kingdom of heaven. It's not like you'll get there one day and God will say, Oh, but I'm sorry you had all these things, but you didn't wear blue shoes. Or you didn't, uh, you know, fold your hands just right when you prayed or whatever. Like, no, that's, that's it. And uh, Peter wrote this letter to remind them of this. And then he went on... Um, he went into the soundness of Scripture. So these things, these things that he wanted to remind them of were in Scripture, and he gave reasons for us to believe that Scripture is the inspired Word of God. And it was because Peter was an eyewitness. He saw and heard these things. But he also he taught, went into um, how the, we have a more sure word of prophecy, and he talked about that. And I was thinking as I was studying this chapter 2 of... Um, like, if, if there would be one apostle that I would love to sit down and talk to, it would be Peter. Like, he had, he's such an interesting guy, and, and the things that he did, you know, this is the Peter who went and caught a fish, and there was money in his mouth to pay their taxes. And he also fished all night and caught no fishes. And he was there when Jesus raised the 12-year-old girl from the dead. And he walked on water when Jesus called him. And when Jesus asked who he was, Peter said that you are, the, uh, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, and you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I would just love to talk to Peter because he denied that he knew Christ then. And it would be so interesting. And what an honor it is to read the book that Peter wrote to you and me and to discuss it. <clears throat> There's not going to be much fluff in what Peter says in chapter 2. And in fact, Peter's anger is going to come out a little bit, I think. Peter cared deeply about 
what he talks about in chapter 2. And uh, Jesus did as well. Um, Jesus said, so Peter talks about false, false prophets in chapter 2, false teachers. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. And in Matthew twenty four eleven, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Matthew twenty four twenty four, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So Peter would have been there when Jesus said that, I'm sure, and, and Peter cared deeply about it. So let's read the, the entire chapter of Second Peter chapter 2. So he just went in and talked about the, the security we have in, in prophecy. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, that bought them. And bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds." The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness, and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, Speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they that count it a pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he was, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb ass, speaking with man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them that live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than, after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. 
The dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. False prophets, false teachers. And I want to kind of divide this into some sections here to talk about. Um, The first one is that false teachers are among us. Peter says that, in, in verse 1, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. So there are false teachers among us. And thankfully, I didn't have anybody in mind from the congregation when I studied this. Um, but I don't think we should be surprised if somebody would, like because Peter said there would be false teachers among us, people that will lead people astray. And this was... This, in chapter 2, I believe, is why Peter wrote this, this book, because he was concerned about this. And, you know, he opened up with chapter 1 and truth, but then uh, this, I believe, is why he wanted to remind people um, of the truth. So Peter wants you to understand what is true and false. Um, he wants you to know what is true, what was said in chapter 1, so that uh, you can pick out false teachers, um, not get pulled into their attractive teaching. And another thing is, it says that many will follow them. Um, in verse 2, it says, and many shall follow their pernicious ways. So don't be surprised if your friends are pulled into that. Um, so be on the, on the lookout. And then number two, false teachers will be punished severely. And Peter says, look at history. And in verse 4, um, God spared not the angels that rebelled. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So God did that. And then God destroyed the world and saved Noah. So the the sinful world, God destroyed, and he pulled the righteous Noah and um, the eight people that he saved. Um, verse 5, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. And then God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and saved Lot out of that. Verses 6 through 8. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. So I think Peter is leading up to something with these stories that he shared. And there's other stories that he could have used, but um, these especially, that God knows how to deliver the godly out of those situations where there's wicked people Save them and destroy the wicked. And that's in verses 9 and 10. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations or out of the evil world and to deserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. So God knows how to separate the two. It says, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. So... Um, so they're not afraid. Um, so God knows how to, how to separate the good from the evil, but it says chiefly those that, um, that are walking after the flesh, chiefly the, the false teachers, I believe is, is what he's saying. 
Um, that government there, uh, they despise government, they despise all authority. Um, the word presumptuous, presumptuous are they, that is like daring. Self-willed is arrogant, would be another word for that. And then dignities, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities, that is uh, things that are honorable or honorable people. So, they will be punished severely. Verse 12 and 13. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they that count it a pleasure to riot in the daytime. So, they will be known. So, we have different technology today. This may not make a whole lot of sense as they that riot in the daytime. But back then, you'd do something at, at night and nobody would know who it was because it's dark. Um, but you riot in the daytime, everybody knows exactly who you are. And that's the way it is with God. God knows the false teachers. So let's look at some of the characteristics of a false teacher. And the first one would be in verse 1 there, um, they will deny the Lord. And some will say that it's not the Lord that saves you. Or maybe they'll deny some of the characteristics of the Lord. Maybe they'll say, well, God isn't, um, God isn't always good. Or maybe they'll say that God isn't always all-powerful. Or maybe God's not sovereign. Maybe God's not all-knowing. Um, things like that. They will deny the Lord. They will have pernicious ways. And I, this is in verse 2, and I like how the uh, BBE translation says it. And it it says, and a great number will go with them in their evil ways, through whom the true way will have a bad name. So they're going to say that they're believers, and they're going to promote that, but their actions are not going to line up. And it says that Christianity is going to get a bad name from them. And then they walk after the flesh in verse 10. And they also despise authority in verse 10. And they're presumptuous, self-willed. We kind of talked about that already. They will speak evil of things that they don't understand. And that's in verse 12. They'll speak evil of things that they understand not. And in verse 14, it says that having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. Um, and then towards the end of the verse, it says they have exercised covetous practices. So they will be, I believe, like immoral uh, people and also covetous. And then in verse 15, they will be lovers of money, as Balaam was. And contrast this list to that list at this in chapter 1. Virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. What a difference. So now uh, I want to move on and talk about the blindness of false teachers. And I, I use the word blindness because Peter used that in chapter 1. He said, you are blind and cannot see afar off. And so there is blindness that comes with false teachers or deception. The appeal of a false teacher is that it appeals to our flesh and what we want to do. So that being said, don't be surprised if false teaching looks really good. Like, wow, I would... Yeah, it may be attractive. And I want to, um, 
I want to read verse 3. It says, And through covetousness, or through desires, they shall with feigned words make merchandise of you. I want to compare that to verse 1 of chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's a, that's a big contrast. <clears throat> um, we have received salvation, grace, mercy. We've been accepted into the, into the family of God, and we've received that without payment. It's a free gift, and it's not to be sold. A false teacher will, through the desires of your flesh, cause you to give what, it, what you can't put a value on. Give what is priceless for something that can be bought. You're trading something that, that, that is priceless for something of value. You're going to um, trade your birthright for a bowl of soup, if that makes sense. They will make merchandise of you. They will use you uh, for their own gain. And then uh, in verse 17, it says, these are wells without water. And imagine, um, imagine that you are in the desert and you're terribly thirsty, your water's gone, and you're going along and you look out and you see a well. And you get up to that well and it's an old well, you know, with a round uh, guard on it or whatever with a rope and bucket and you look down in the well and it's dry. There's no, and you ran to that well. You were so glad to finally get a drink. You're thirsty, and there's no water in that well. And the same, the same thing is with these clouds, these clouds that come. Clouds that are carried with a tempest. And so you look up from that well, and you think, oh, here's some storm clouds coming. We're going to get some rain. And so you get some containers out because we're going to get some rain and all you get is a fierce storm and wind and driving sand and very destructive and no water. <clears throat> so both of these things here, they are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest. Um, what did Jesus tell the woman at the well? If you drink the water that I give, you will never thirst again. And, and we go in search of water. And like the plants, we need, we need the living water. And yeah, we can go to these false prophets, but you're not going to get any water there. It may look like you're going to get water. It may be the appearance of a well. It may be the appearance of clouds that are bringing rain. But when you get there... That's the, that's the deception of false prophets, of false teachers, is that there's no water. I, yeah, in reading this, I was very impressed with, with Peter's writing ability here. And then in verse 18, it says, For when they speak great swelling words of vanity... So they will speak great swelling words, and it may sound really attractive, but think about what they're saying. Peter's saying they're going to speak great swelling words of emptiness. 
of nothing. And they'll allure through the lust of the flesh, through much desire, or the fleshly desires that are in people, those that were clean escaped from the corruption in the world, those that were clean escaped from them that live in error. So they're those that have made a commitment, those that are that are following God and have have ridded their life of sin, they're going to lure those back in. <clears throat> because that that believer who is following God, who has ridded their life of sin, still has the flesh, and they'll they'll appeal to that. And they will promise liberty, but the end is slavery. And I've seen this so often. You'll, they'll promise the liberty to drink, but their people become alcoholics. And they'll promise the liberty to uh, freedom of expression, but their people will be in bondage and immorality. They'll promise... Um, you know, that you can, you know, nobody's going to tell you what to do. You can, you can dress however you want. You can do whatever you want. You know, you just, you belong just to Christ, and you can just do whatever you want. And then people become such slaves to people's opinions and to the latest fads going around in such bondage. They promise great wealth, and people become lovers of money. While they promise them liberty, this is verse 19, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought in bondage. And I want to talk a little bit uh, for the next point about the awful condition of those that have fallen away from the truth. I'm going to read verses 20 through 23 again. For if... For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that is washed to her wallowing in the mire." And this really happens. That's, it's sad, but this happens. Um, why is it better <clears throat> that they would not have known the truth than that they would have known it and decided not to follow it? Any thoughts on that? I don't know, but one thing that came to my mind is, is that they're probably a lot less likely to repent at that point. And it happens, sometimes it does, but I believe that their spiritual condition, you know, if they've been there and done that, they're a lot more closed to it than if they've never been there at all. Be like if I, if I would tell you that, oh, you need to go see the Grand Canyon and you need to go, you know, look at it, it's amazing, and you've never been there, and I can tell you about all this stuff, and you want to go so bad, you want to go see it. And maybe I can take you there and show you the Grand Canyon. But if you've been there already, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, and I probably won't take you there to see it, right? So their condition, their spiritual condition 
is worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And may, my last point is, may swift destruction come to the false teacher. Notice, notice Peter's hard words here. And I'm going to read verses 12 through 15 again. And just think about Peter saying this. I wonder if he would say them to your face. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, Practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. So, um, Linford and Wanda just built a house, okay? And I think they just moved in recently. And they've worked a lot on their house, and they've spent a lot of time building it. How would it be if I would go up to Wakarusa Heavy Equipment and rent the biggest Caterpillar bulldozer that they have and take it out to Wander and Linford's house and start bulldozing it? How do you think their response would be? <laughs> Probably not good. It might look a little bit like this, right? <laughs> and, and rightly so. And, and that's where Peter's coming from here. Imagine Peter's... Peter's feelings here. So Stephen had lost his life for the kingdom of heaven. Others had been killed. They had suffered persecution. And Peter had given up so much for the kingdom. And actually in, ver- in chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, he said, Knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. So, and if you remember back to the time where Jesus had... Um, you know, forgiven him and brought him back after he had denied him that Jesus told him that he was going to die. And, and Peter was willing to do it. Like, this was a big deal to Peter. The kingdom of God was, was Peter's life. And you could say, well, Peter, why, don't, why wouldn't you just go off and buy three acres in the country and raise your family and attend church? And, you know, why do you have to go in and preach and stir up all this stuff and, like, just live a simple life, Peter. But that wasn't Peter. Peter was going to go preach the gospel, and he was going to, you know, he was passionate. And that's, these false teachers were coming in, and, and Jesus said they were going to be there. Peter knew it. But, wow, Peter was not happy with them, and neither would we in his shoes. And it's, it, it is true that swift destruction will come upon them. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanness and despise government. So what about you? I want to, do you have passion in the kingdom of God like Peter did? Um, would you know a false teacher if you would see or hear one? Do you protect those around you from false teaching? 
And I guess if we want to be, you know, if we want to, so how do we apply this? And one of the questions we have to ask ourselves is, are we a false teacher? Are we speaking the truth? It uh, merits a thorough examination. And we're all teachers. It's not just the Sunday school teacher or me up here as I'm speaking or whatever. We all relate to people. We're all, you know, we talk to our friends about problems or you know, when, when you encourage someone, and maybe, maybe here's the, here's the um, how you measure how you're doing, I guess. But when you encourage someone, does it look more like the list in chapter 1? Or does it look more like the list of, in chapter 2, describing the false prophets? In other words, you promise liberty and deliver destruction. Or... <clears throat> Yeah, we can, we can pretty quickly teach people how to get more money. Um, we can pretty quickly teach about our unwise leaders, you know, maybe in church or even in government. Um, and, and nobody's above criticism, okay? And it's wise, I believe, to talk. You know, if somebody's making unwise choices, you need to talk about it. That's That's important um, to discuss that. But... Um, a false teacher is going to be waiting for any opportunity they have to pull people away from that person and, and build their own group or whatever. Um, they're going to make merchandise of you. In other words, they're going to try to buy you and um, into their group. So we all have the opportunity to teach and, um, and respond to things around us. What are we, what are we teaching and I would say, too, that, you know, I don't want this to be like, oh, you're a false teacher, so, you know, pound you into the ground like Peter did. That's not, I believe that in a church setting, it looks more like um, there was somebody that in the, and I was going to look it up and didn't. There's somebody in the New Testament who was preaching, I believe it was uh, the baptism of John. This was after Jesus died. And was it Aquila and Priscilla? I forget. It was, okay. I think it was. I should have looked it up. Anyways, that took him and expounded unto him the way more perfectly or more complete. Or they, they instructed him, and he actually became a good, uh, good speaker then. And that's what I believe it should look like among us, where you know somebody gets up and says something that's not true. We maybe tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, you know, you said this, or this is what I heard, you know, and, and have that discussion. And it's not a um, you know, hellfire and brimstone on somebody. So, and I guess, yeah, like, false teaching can come at us from all directions. It can be a song, uh, something in a song that's maybe not quite right, or, um, yeah, it, it can be anything, something that somebody says on the radio that appear, appeals to you or whatever. Um, so, be vigilant. Let's pursue virtue and knowledge, temperance. Let's pursue patience and godliness, Let's pursue brotherly kindness and charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they shall make that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, I would encourage you to be a wise teacher, a teacher of the truth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, just thank you for being a, a gentle God with us, um, helping us learn and grow. Um, we make mistakes, say things that we shouldn't sometimes, and thank you for 
correcting us and, yeah, giving us more wisdom. And thank you that we have each other. Um, Help us to be on the lookout of uh, things that are false here in our church. Um, Help us to be willing to be a part of the correction and um, encouragement to to know the truth. Um, Help us to be gentle with each other. And um, I just pray, Lord, that we would grow in wisdom and, and knowledge and, yeah, so that we can recognize false teaching when it's there and um, yeah, be willing to step in and, and take care of it. So again, thank you for being with us. Thank you for being a good God. And I pray that you would bless each one here this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.